Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. I love what God's been doing this weekend. Aren't you proud in the Holy Ghost to feel that presence of the King? When you walk into this house, you feel the love of God. You feel the freedom of His Spirit. You just know that anything is possible because He is here in this sanctuary. You are surrounded by your brothers and your sisters, your fellow laborers and fellow warriors in the kingdom. So God is here. He is here to meet your needs. I am just expecting in the Holy Ghost this morning today hallelujah like what I feel I believe that God has been working and I believe the Lord has a word for this service so if you have your Bibles Genesis chapter 27 verse number one once more thank you to each and every one of you for being here in this revival you are all part of the kingdom warfare of this area and you're making a difference wherever you are in your family in your job, in your homes, at work. You are doing the work of the army and the Lord. Praise God. Thank you once again to Pastor and Sister Gill, to Bishop Walls, to all the ministry in this house. Thank you for your testimony and your work. Genesis 27, verse 1. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son, and said unto him, My son. And he said unto him, Behold, here am I. I'm reading in Genesis 27, verse 1. And he said, Behold, now I am old. I know not the day of my death. Now therefore take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may, everyone say, bless thee. Bless thee thee before I die. Skipping down to verse number 19 now. And Jacob said unto his father, I am Esau thy firstborn. I have done according as thou badest me. Arise, I pray thee, sit and eat of my venison that thy soul may, everyone say, bless me. For a few minutes this morning, I want to preach on a simple subject. Esau's blessing. Esau's blessing. Lord, we're thankful for your presence. I ask you to anoint everyone in this house. May your perfect will be accomplished in the kingdom. We give you all the glory for what you're about to do in this service. We thank you for direction from heaven and from answered prayers. Lord God, we thank you. And the church says in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. In the Ten Commandments, we are told very plainly, thou shalt not covet. But here about 500 years before the Ten Commandments were ever given, we have probably the clearest example in the Old Testament of somebody coveting. And coveting means something really basic. It means you want something that belongs to somebody else. 
You see your neighbor's car. You see your neighbor's house. You see your neighbor's spouse. And you say to yourself, if I had what they had, I'd be doing all right. Well, Jacob coveted that which belonged to his brother. He saw what his brother had, and he wanted that. Esau and Jacob, you see, they were different men. They were raised in the same house. But Esau was the firstborn, and Jacob was not. Esau was a man's man, and Jacob was not. Esau had the favor of his father Isaac, and Jacob did not. And Esau was about to receive the blessing from Isaac, and Jacob was not. Now, before I get too far ahead in preaching, I want to pause here for just one minute and explain something. I want to draw a distinction. I don't want you to confuse the blessing of Esau with the birthright of Esau. They are not the same thing. The birthright of Esau was sold for one morsel of meat. Fleshly desire made Esau part with the birthright. And what was that birthright exactly? Well, that birthright predated Esau. That birthright predated even Isaac and Abraham. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, when the Lord spake unto Adam that one day a descendant of Adam would be born that would bruise the head of the serpent. That birthright, that lineage was the line of the Messiah, the Savior to come. That was the promise that one day somebody would open the doorway of salvation for you and for me and that prophecy was true and it came to pass and I am thankful for the work that Jesus has done for me praise God so when Esau sold the birthright that meant the messianic lineage would no longer go through Esau but now through Jacob so Jacob already had the promise of the Messiah coming through his line. But as King Solomon spake, the eyes of man are never full. That was not enough. Esau, Esau was not exactly living a moral life in this chapter. Esau was sinning. Esau was hanging around Philistines and dating Philistine girls, which is a no-no, young men in the apostolic church. Esau was doing things that were not exactly right. And so when Jacob saw that Isaac was about to give Esau the blessing, even though Esau was sinning and messing up, that was Jacob's breaking point. Last night I preached about Tamar's breaking point. This morning I'm talking to you about Jacob's breaking point. Jacob saw how sinful people were about to get blessed, and he just lost it. And so then he did something sinful. Jacob deceived his father Isaac. Jacob puts, I believe, goat's hair upon his hands and the smooth of his neck. I believe he even puts on the clothes, the raiment of Esau. But there's one thing that Jacob cannot change. Around verse 22 of this chapter 27 in Genesis, Isaac hears his voice, and Isaac says the voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. So there is a decision there. Isaac can go by what he feels. It feels like Esau, or he can go by what he hears. It sounds like Jacob because, dear saints of God, let me tell you something. Your fleshly feelings can actually destroy deceive you. 
I hear the voice of the Lord speaking to me in the book of Revelation. Seven churches the Lord spake. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. My fleshly feelings can deceive me, but the voice of the Lord will never lie to you. He will always speak the truth to you. I'm going to trust what I hear from God. I've got to hear what thus saith the Lord in my life. Praise God. Now, one more point. This whole chapter began in Genesis 27 and verse 1 with this statement. And it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim, the whole chapter began by telling you that Isaac's vision was compromised. All of that happened because the vision of the elders was gone. Because I need the vision of the elders, you see. I need the vision of apostolic pioneers and preachers of years gone by. Thank God for the testimony of so many, like Bishop Walls and others, who have preached this message for generations and helped open the doorway for the next group of apostolics to have this truth and to believe in Acts 2.38. Thank God for the vision of the elders that continues on to this day. Praise God. And so, with compromised vision, ignoring what he heard and going by fleshly feeling, Isaac gave to Jacob Esau's blessing. Now, I've heard this preached before. I grew up in Pentecost. I've heard people preach about the stolen blessing. I've heard people preach about not coveting. And you shouldn't covet. I've even heard preachers get this wrong. I've heard preachers confuse the birthright and the blessing. And they are not the same thing. But there's one question I've actually never heard any other preacher broach. When Jacob lied, when Jacob stole, when he got Esau's blessing, what exactly did he get? What did he actually receive when he got Esau's blessing? Here it is. The first thing that comes to pass is he is transformed instantly into a criminal. He has to go on the run for his life. He is in danger because Esau just might kill him. He has to take off into a new country. He gets away from everybody he knew, everyone he ever loved, and goes into the land of Haran. And there he meets two young ladies. One of these ladies catches his eye, and he says to himself, I want her to be Mrs. Jacob. So he goes to their father, Laban, and Laban tells Jacob, you've got to work seven years to marry my daughter, Rachel. So seven years, Jacob works. And at the end of that seven years, something kind of peculiar happens. I can't fully explain it, but on the wedding night, Laban pulls a switch, and Jacob actually marries the wrong girl. I don't know how that happened. I probably don't want to know how that happened. I would think that would be important to make sure that you were marrying the right person. Maybe he wasn't in full possession of his mental faculties that day. I don't know. But Jacob married the wrong person. And in the morning, it was Leah, her sister. As you can imagine, Jacob was rather upset. He goes to Laban, their father, and Laban then informs Jacob, uh, Jacob, uh, it's not so uh, in this country uh, to marry the younger uh, before the elder. And by the way, time out. 
I took history in college. That custom that Laban mentioned about not marrying the younger before the elder, that is nowhere recorded in history. What I'm telling you is Laban lied. Laban made it up. He did what any sociopath would do when he's backed into a corner. He just made stuff up to get himself out of a tight spot. He lied. Just like Jacob had lied to his father, didn't he? Seven more years he works. This girl must have been some lady. He worked 14 years for Rachel. And finally, at the end of that 14 years, he gets the girl of his dreams. He marries Rachel. But he only has her for a handful of years. She only births two sons, Joseph and Benjamin. And in childbirth with Benjamin, her second child, she perishes. She dies in childbirth. And Jacob is upset. Jacob is sad and grieving. And this whole time, he's being worked to death by Laban. He's going through all this junk and crud. He's having a hard, difficult life in the land of Haran, away from his parents, away from his family. And so I'm reading about all that. I'm reading about the slave-driving work. I'm reading about the difficult years. I'm reading about the sorrow and the sadness. And I say to myself that that is not a blessing. I would not call that a blessing, would you? So, whenever I have a confusing moment as an apostolic, I go back to my measuring line. I go back to the Word of God. This is what always answers our most difficult questions about life and heaven. So I go back to Genesis chapter 27, and I read very closely. In Genesis 27, my opening chapter, you see that Jacob and Esau both look at this as Esau's blessing. You see that Isaac and Rebekah both look at this as Esau's blessing. But there's one person in Genesis 27 that never actually refers to this as a blessing. And that person is God. And church, mark it down. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says. It matters what God thinks. It matters what God says. His is the only opinion that matters. His is the only vote that counts. I've got to hear from the Lord. I've got to have direction from heaven. God, I've got to receive your wisdom and your sayings in my life. Now... I did not grow up in Michigan or Indiana. I grew up in Tennessee. And in Tennessee, we've got a good old-fashioned Tennessee word to capture exactly what Jacob received. We would not call it a blessing. In Tennessee, we call it a whooping. W-H-O-O-P-I-N apostrophe. Say whooping. That's what he got. Because he thought, you see, Esau was doing all this bad, sinful stuff. Esau was hanging around sinners and doing bad things. And he thought, how come? How can God bless Esau? But God was not about to bless Esau. God was about to whoop Esau. So when he said, I want what Esau's going to get, God said, all right, here you go. <laughs> how did he make that mistake? There's two theological errors that Jacob made. The first theological error that Jacob made is he thought that Isaac controlled the blessing. 
Oh, and how many of us also believe that the Isaacs of our lives control the blessings? But they don't, do they? Not the Isaacs, not our friends, family, peers, or co-workers, or bosses. Blessings only come from one place. The Apostle James said it best in James chapter 1. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. Everything good, everything perfect. You know where it comes from, church? It comes from God. God is the source of all blessings in my life. God is the one who gives good things to you and to me. They come from the Lord. They are divine blessings. They come from God in my life. That was his first theological mistake. He thought that blessings came from Isaac and blessings always only come from God. The second theological error was a bit more subtle. Jacob thought that God might not be fair and we are afraid to admit that out loud but in our quiet moments we look over at somebody and we think to ourselves I know how they're sinning I know how they're living in private how can God bless a dirt bag and rapscallion over there like that and I've got all this mess and junk I'm going through how come Lord how come they have that and I've got that aren't you gonna be fair to me well, there was a people who thought the same thing in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, and verse 25. There was a people who had a popular saying. They had been carried away captive to Babylon. And there was a proverb that said the following. They told the Lord that your ways are not equal. The way of the Lord is not equal. And in King James English, equal meant fair. They're saying, God, your way is not fair. How can you do this to us and lead us captive when it was our parents who sinned? Well, God heard their statement, and God had a response. Hear now, O house of Israel, is not my way equal, and are not your ways unequal? Translation, God says, no matter what you think, I am fair when everybody else is not fair. I will be fair to you. I am the just one. I am the Lord. I am the righteous judge. I am fair when no one else around you is in your life. I will be equal with you. I will pour out in your life. So, Jacob, mm, I got to tell you this. In Genesis 36 and verse 1, let me prove what I'm telling you. Let me prove this to you that God is always fair. Genesis 36 and 1. What you're reading here is one of those begat chapters. It's a full chapter of genealogies, names, and lists. It tells you the generations of Esau, who is Edom. Verse 2 tells you about his kids and his wives. Let me summarize this chapter for you. This chapter of Esau's genealogies tells us that Esau had everything beyond his wildest dreams. He had stuff. He had wives. He had children. He had grandchildren. He had to found his own country just to contain all the prosperity and outpouring that God had for him and his family. So when you read all of this in Genesis 36, do you realize what you're actually reading? You are reading Jacob's blessing because they swapped, recall? Jacob got Esau's whooping. 
but Esau got Jacob's miracle faith outpouring because what actually was going to happen if Jacob had not lied and supplanted was that God had heard every prayer that he had prayed and God was preparing a miracle life for him. God was going to provide. God was going to pour out. God was going to bless him beyond his wildest dreams. So dear saints, if I just wait, if I just do things God's way, if I keep to the path, then God has heard your prayers and God can pour out in your life and God will bless you. I'm going to keep walking by faith. I'm going to keep believing. I'm going to keep worshiping. I'm going to keep trusting in God. I want to follow your path. I want to do things your way, Lord God. Now, I'll be honest. We've all done this, haven't we? We've all had that time where we looked at others and said, maybe if I had what they had. We've all had instances where we have coveted others' lives. In fact, I will tell you two embarrassing stories about the preacher, me. I was a teenager in Memphis, Tennessee. I think I was at a youth rally, and I looked across that sanctuary, and I saw this Pentecostal girl who was a wonder to behold. And I prayed that secret prayer that all Pentecostal boys pray. Lord, I want you to make her mine. God did not answer my prayer. It was okay. I got over it. Years later, about ten years later, I saw this same girl. But this time, ten years later, I prayed a different prayer. God Thank you. I dodged a bullet. I didn't know what I was asking for back then. And about that time, the lyrics of that old-time gospel song came to me from the Reverend Garth Brooks. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Praise God. Hallelujah. Many years after that, I was working a job, and I prayed in this job for a promotion. I'm not ashamed to say that I badgered the Lord for this promotion. I prayed, God, I want that promotion. God, give me that job. Give me that job. Give me that job. I want it. 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 I threw a Holy Ghost tantrum, and God heard me and answered that prayer. God gave me that job. It was awful. I was so miserable. I was working so many hours, and I was unhappy. And I recall one specific day when I was driving back home, and I was yelling at God. I said, Lord, how could you do this to me? And I felt the Lord respond, you asked for this. I didn't comprehend that when God had not given me that promotion, he was not denying me. He was defending me. He could see dangers that I could not see. He was steering me around those obstacles and potholes for me. He was helping me in ways I did not understand. God is fighting for you. God is working on your behalf. God is protecting you and defending you. I want to keep to your path, Lord Jesus. I will trust your plan today. Hallelujah. So what do we do? What do we do if we are like Jacob? 
What do we do if we have accepted a life course that was not meant for us? What do you do? you got to do what Jacob did. The very first thing in Genesis 31, he tore himself away from Laban. And it was a firefight, wasn't it? To tear yourself away from the false drill sergeants and the bosses who are interlopers, the people who are not supposed to be overseeing you, the people who are trying to control you, the people who are sticking you and limiting you and keeping you in a realm that God never intended for you to live in. You've got to get yourself away from every person who is outside of the will of God trying to control you and keep you bound and keep Keep you limited. You've got to get out of the land of Haran. I've got to get away from Laban. And Laban came calling back, didn't he? He sent his own personal army and he himself to try and bring Jacob and his wife and kids back. But Jacob told him, no, Laban, I am not going back to Haran. I am not that man anymore. However many years it has been, I've got to go back to the land of my fathers. I've got to go back to the place of promise. I still believe in the word of God. I want to follow the Lord's plan. For me. And now, my favorite part of this story. Jacob wrestled with the angel of the Lord. Genesis 32 and verse 27. Jacob wrestled with God. And every backslider I know has that wrestling match. Flesh and spirit. Sin and salvation. Right and wrong. Heaven and hell. What will you choose? Who will win the fight? I have a friend who was a lifeguard. Years ago, my friend, he saw this man who got out to the middle of a lake and began to drown. This man could not swim. I don't know how he got to the middle of this lake, but my friend, the lifeguard, went out to save this drowning man. And the drowning man, as soon as my buddy got a hold of him, this guy couldn't swim and pushed the lifeguard under. My friend let go of him. Once more, this man began to drown. A couple of times this happens. He would grab him, embrace him, pull his head out of the water, and he would push the lifeguard underwater. And so I asked my buddy, what would you do? How would you save him? He said, well, I did what I had to do. I punched him. <laughs> so I knocked him out. I knocked him out and drug him back to shore, and he lived. I saved his life, but I had to knock him out to, to save him. And so I wonder if this fight like this and fights we have with the flesh and the spirit, if we're actually the drowning man, if we are drowning and the lifeguard, he's not really trying to fight us. He's trying to save us. He's trying to get us back. We are flailing. We are in despair and desperation. And God is bringing us back to the place where we are not in danger anymore, where we will not drown and not fall, where God will help us and protect us and guide us and guard us he is bringing you back to shore to the safety and now the Lord he wrestles with Jacob the angel of the Lord wrestles with Jacob Genesis 32 and verse 27 God asks Jacob a question and the questions of God will teach you more than the answers of man ever will God asks him what is your name what is thy name? And the last time somebody had asked Jacob that question, he had lied and said, I'm Esau. But this time, he tells the truth. Jacob, supplanter, 
cheater, liar. He admitted his past. He confessed his fault. But when you can confess your faults one to another and pray for one another, a miracle can take place. Look at what happens in the very next verse. When Jacob said, I am Jacob, the Lord said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with man, and hast prevailed. The Lord informs him, Your name is not Jacob, and you are not Esau either. No, I have a new name for you. From this day onward, you will be Israel. As a prince, you'll have power with God. Today, you are not the guilty stains of your past. And in the eyes of God, you are not even the present whirlwind of your trial either. No, God has a future prophetic identity for you. He's got a brand new life in this temple of flesh. God is writing new chapters in your story. You are a new creation in the eyes of God. He has a destiny for you. He is working in your life. He is molding and shaping you to come. God says you are Israel. You can have power with God. Hallelujah. Stand with me. As an apostolic, I know where that power comes from. Jesus told his disciples, and ye shall have power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. That's the only real power with God, isn't it? The infilling of the Holy Ghost. The infilling of the Spirit. I've got to have a changed life. I've got to make the break and turn around from sin. Jacob repented. He turned from sin. Jacob perceived that God had power in store for him. And there's one final step. Genesis 35 and verse 1. In closing, the last step back after repentance. And God said unto Jacob, because now God is talking to him. When you obey the first step, then once again you'll receive new direction from God. And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel. Now Bethel in Hebrew is a very special word. It means the house of God. Arise, go up to Bethel, and don't just go for a one-time visit. Go up to Bethel and dwell there. He orders him, Jacob, make Bethel your dwelling. Make the house of God the place where you dwell. Bethel was where Jacob had that ladder dream. Remember? He saw a ladder that went from earth to heaven. What was all that about? that ladder from earth to heaven. There is a way from earth to heaven. And where does it begin? Bethel, the house of God. Saints, there is still a route away from earth to heaven. And it still begins the bottom rung at Bethel, at the house of God. This morning, I encourage you, Will you leave the pews and will you join me up front? Will you make the beginning? Will you make the first steps? Will you begin that journey up the ladder from earth to the heavenlies? I believe that God has power for you. I believe that the Holy Ghost is here. I believe the anointing of God is still being poured out today. You can have His Spirit. You can have a brand new life. I can make the break. I can get away from the Labans around me. My life can be different. I can be better. I can be a 
to heaven right now. I want you to believe with all your heart that God loves you. He is reaching out for you. He is calling to you. Come back home. Come back to Bethel. Come back to the place. Come back to my house. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com.